So Jesse, we'll probably pick back up on uh, that conversation that we were just having, but uh, for the listeners, for everyone watching, why don't you give the brief intro into uh, who you are and your background and, and your most recent uh, work? Yeah, for sure. So um, my name is Jesse Berger, and I recently published Magic Internet Money, a book about Bitcoin. My background uh, started in, in banking. I, well, prior to that, I, I studied economics and, and philosophy in undergrad, but started in retail banking in 2006. And I did that for four and a half years before jumping into wealth management and investment advisory. So I did that on Bay Street, which is Canada's Wall Street for those that may not know. Uh, I did that for three years, ultimately decided that I did not want to continue managing pe other people's money um, for various reasons, which you know, we can or, can or we will or won't go into later. Decided to go get my MBA so that I could pivot and just find something new to do. I knew I didn't want to stay on that stream that I was on. So got my MBA. Uh, I think I, I was very fortunate in my MBA experience. Um, I, I think I'd sort of had a very rare experience again for a number of reasons that worked out great for me. Wound up doing some management consulting in the financial sector before ultimately doing um, market research consulting where I managed the market research campaign for one of Canada's large insurance companies um, that did sort of a global market outreach program. I managed that for two years. And then while I was at that company had rediscovered Bitcoin because I had initially discovered it in 2011 while I was working in wealth management, um, but rediscovered Bitcoin and have subsequently been, you know, diving further and further down the rabbit hole. And ultimately the, the book is basically a, a culmination of all my experiences, I think is sort of a great way of, of thinking about, about the book for, for me personally and, and what it is and how it came about. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I honestly, I could not be more proud of the book. It was very much a labor of love and something I, I cared deeply about for an entire year, which, you know, I, I obsessed over it for a year while I worked on it. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm here today, you know, to chat, chat about the book, chat about Bitcoin, chat about life. And yeah, it's, well, it's great it, to be here. Yeah, well, it's great to have you. And the book is fantastic. I finished it up recently. Um, it's a unique format, you know, and I, I think there's so much content, so, you know, actually there's so many books even coming out in the space lately, which is awesome that so many people feel compelled to express their, their thoughts on this thing. Um, and, but it's great to see like some variety in how it's approached, you know, and I, I love how yours is like these mini chapters, you know, where it's, you, you tackle kind of each individual thing or aspect of, of Bitcoin and just give like a real consumable two or three paragraph explanation about it. And then on to the next one. Um, you know, I got lots of questions about the book, but what was it that, uh, you know, why did you decide to structure it that way? Uh, the truth is it was initially started as, as call it this PowerPoint. I, I didn't plan on writing a book. I don't, you know, consider myself an author. I didn't know the first thing about writing a book, but I had started this PowerPoint of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to explain Bitcoin to investors because I had this background in wealth management and maybe I could, you know, somehow I'll make something of that. Um, at the time I had left my job and I just knew I was going to do something Bitcoin related. I just didn't know what. And so okay, started with this PowerPoint. And, you know, if you've given a PowerPoint presentation, you know, like each slide 
tends to be you're trying to make a point with with each slide and basically i took that idea or that format and applied it to the book and once i decided to make it a book i mean it it, it just became this snowball where the ideas and the format it just you know piled on top of each other and it grew and grew as it was rolling down the hill um and i i felt that i could somehow line it up so that like you said you're, you're getting these small little bites of arguments but that they could be very on point and also in sequence in such a way that i'm building up people's knowledge so that i can help them really try to wrap their head around bitcoin because bitcoin for those that are less familiar with it is is complicated there's a lot of moving parts and it's hard to keep those ideas straight and if you try to explain it sort of all in, at one shot I, th I think you're you know you're setting yourself up for for a lot of difficulty whereas i thought okay if i can just you know people have short attention spans today i think as well and I, you know i i'm a victim of that too um so if I could just shorten it so that, okay, you can just bite off whatever you think you can chew in one piece. And then when you're ready, you'll, you'll build on and do the next part. Um, so yeah, that's sort of how and what the thinking was with the format. I think anyone who's done any writing, um, they appreciate how tedious it can be. You know, you've got all these disordered thoughts in your mind and you're, you have this, uh, you know, inescapable feeling that there's something of value in there. Uh, yeah. And you might even be overly confident of, of the, what that value is. But then when you try to put it from, you know, torrent of thought to pen to paper or, you know, on the screen, it comes out way messier and way more disordered and, uh, and way less uh, structured than you, than it sounded when you were saying those words in your head. Right. So a hundred percent, I'm always fascinated by, and I always ask the question to authors, like, what is your process for ordering those thoughts? How do you extract those insights that are crystal clear when you have them in your head and get them on the page in a manner that allows them to be crystal clear to the person reading them? It's, it was definitely a lot of trial and error and iteration uh, in terms of the, you know, so the book just again for listeners, so there's 12 chapters and then each chapter is call it, you know, six to eight pages, give or take of every page is that individual argument. And so I had, generally speaking, the, the, the broad strokes of the chapters mapped out pretty early on. And some chapters, you know, call it the chapter on money or the, the narrative and the origins of Bitcoin. Those were, okay, I, I had a really good idea of what I was going to write for those. But then topics like governance and freedom and, and um, innovation, which are, which are three other chapters, those formed as I would put pen to paper and get those ideas down and start tinkering with them and thinking about them. They, you know, I had, again, the rough ideas, I think fairly early on, but then actually formulating it, putting everything in its right place, in its right sequence. And when I say in its right place, in its right sequence, it's not just which page in what order, it's literally what sentence in what order. I was, I was flipping paragraphs and flipping sentences within paragraphs all the time and as i'm coming up with new ideas and new and you know i would just come up with a smorgasbord of thoughts one day where i'm just you know banging out you know call it a dozen just ideas one-liners even and then the next day it's okay how do i stitch these together how does the flow of the argument work does it make sense is this the right point to make is this point 
impactful enough um, because I wanted to be, as much as I, I had this personal restraint on, okay, every argument is a page, so it, I had this personal limitation, it still had to be pointed and impactful, but easy to read and have my personality or, you know, my sort of fingerprint on it um, so that it would be friendly to readers because I, I, I was, I realized very early in the process that if, if I didn't make it friendly and approachable that I don't, I don't think it would be successful. Um, it was something that was very important to me and, and was sort of some early feedback that I got on the book where someone told me, oh, you know, okay, these chapters, you seem smart, but like, I don't understand them, I, you know, and this is coming from someone who's not in the space. So it's like, okay, yeah, I, I, I really need to put myself in the reader's shoes. And once I did that, again, sort of talking, we talked earlier about the book for me is a bit of a, a culmination of sort of all my experiences. Drawing from um, my, my old MBA program where I learned that you can have really thorough analysis, but if you don't frame the argument, give context, even have a little bit of showmanship, the, that, that thought can fall flat on the readers or the listeners or the judge or whoever it's going to be. So um, putting myself in the reader's shoes was really important. And one, once I established that, that also just helped keep things moving along for me. Right. Yeah. It's, um, I started to, I used to write a lot when I was younger and I've started to pick it back up uh, now because I think like many Bitcoiners, the torrent of thoughts in your head just is uh, amplified now more so than it, that it may have ever been uh, previously. And I, um, I'm glad to hear you say that, you know, you, you do a dump and then like you reorder the sentences later. Cause when I do that, sometimes I feel like almost sheepish about it. Cause I'm like, but that, you know, I took a sentence from like this paragraph and three paragraphs down, I like inserted it in and I feel like I'm engineering it too much, but then, you know, I, obviously it's all coming from my brain. So that gives me some solace, but it's, uh, it's really tedious and you've got to be, I guess you've, you've got to be determined and committed that you've got to have faith that you've got a unique way of ordering and articulating these thoughts. Uh, and that's what makes the time commitment worthwhile to actually do it. Because correct me if I'm wrong, you're probably not going to make a great deal of money from this book, right? No. So no. You know, it's obviously a labor of love, but you've got to rationalize it some way. And I think for all of us who put stuff out in the space, it's like, well, one, it you know really helps us order our own thoughts, hearing our own voices, reading our own words. We kind of, we, it allows us to have that mirror to help us explore our own understanding of things. And that's really helpful because we get that feedback and then we refine it and then we continue to do it. And hopefully, I guess the faith is, is that we come to a better ability uh, to articulate what our understanding of that actually is. And maybe that has some benefit for us and maybe that has some benefit for the people that are listening or consuming it. But uh, man, it's when you're doing it, it seems, and I'm referring to writing here because it's one that's, I find so much more challenging than, than speaking, uh, you know, and, and how do you deal with just like distraction, you know, like, because when it's that tedious, you, your mind wanders because it's, it's when it, when, it, when something provides so much resistance, you know, all your mind wants to do is be like, Oh, like what's happening on Twitter or what's, you know, what's the score in the game or, you know, what's Bitcoin's price doing, you know? So how did you uh, tackle uh, that issue? Yeah. Um, I mean, thinking about one thing only all the time is definitely not healthy. <laughs> I don't think. Um, so distraction is definitely key. 
you know, whether it was something as simple as going for a walk, stretching my legs, clearing my head, um, those things are helpful. Certain vices can be helpful sometimes to get the creative juices flowing. Um, and they were. <laughs> um, which, which vices are we talking about here? Uh, nothing, no, nothing crazy. Nothing. Every, only stuff that's legal in Canada at the time that I was writing. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So um, it's hard. It's yeah. Being a writer, I, I have a new appreciation for sure for if I, if I can use an example here, a guy like Marty Bent who puts out a daily newsletter. Yeah. Like as, as I'm writing this book and I realize every morning I'm getting the, you know, the daily bent in my inbox. I'm, I'm just in awe of the fact that he's stringing together a coherent and meaningful and, you know, just impactful thought every single day about this one topic. And it just keeps hitting the inbox every day. Cause I would have, you know, forget days on end. I would have a week or two where it's just complete writer's block. Can't get an idea out. Even if, it's a topic I knew about. So again, I, I had that background in banking and wealth management. So the chapter on money, I felt like, okay, this, this should be a pretty easy one for me. I'm going to knock this one out and it'll be good and I'll be happy with it. And I'll be able to do it in a relatively short time frame. And that was not the case at all. Even though I knew a lot of the ideas that I wanted to write, again, framing those ideas so that the reader could understand it and you know, not only that they could understand it, but that they could come back to it and take value from it again and again and again, if they wanted to reference some of the arguments again, that was really hard. Um, and then again, there, you know, there's all the other chapters that I had to get into. Um, so yeah, writing, writing is challenging. You definitely need to be distracted. Um, it comes in waves too. Like when, when you're in, oh, for the flip side of your question, when you're in the zone and you know, you just have this consciousness dump that's coming out of you and it's beautiful and coherent and it just, it just feels like, okay, you're, you're putting your heart and soul into it and it, and it, and you know, it's going to hit, like there was no better feeling yeah. than if I could get a couple paragraphs or a page done in a day and come back the next day and be like, wow, like that was great. I'm, I'm not going to have to do a lot to that. Um, so yeah, it's, when you, it's when a you tough hit gig that, writing. that flow state or you engage the muse just right. And it just all comes out and you don't have to do much cleaning up afterwards. Yeah. It was, it was few and far between that that would, you know, <laughs> it, was, it was seldom that that would happen. Um, but when it did, it's, it's a, it is a fantastic feeling. And when you finally, you know, uh, put the last period down, when you finally finished it up, what was, what was the feeling? <sighs> Almost like well, what now? <laughs> like I, I dedicated, a year of my life to just sort of how crafting. long how long per day would you be working on it for a year um some days you know two or call two or three hours but there were days where i'd be directly or indirectly working on it for 12 14 hours you know if i'm if if, if the mood strikes in the middle of the night you, you just go with it like when you feel it you, you you don't have a choice you just have to go with it um because that it's gonna it may be a while before that strikes again Man, it's insane how much Bitcoin compels voluntary contribution. You know, Absolutely. like yeah. you just spent a year, several hours. I mean, that's a shitload of time. And the opportunity cost, you know, was, was probably substantial. And it just, it, it continues across, you know, uh, different, whether it's writing books or uh, core devs or 
doing podcasts or all the different stuff people do. I mean, it's just like people are compelled to express their understanding of it and contribute in some way, you know? And yeah, and that's, I think that's because we all, right? Like we said, we sort of see that Bitcoin, it can be that light at the end of the tunnel that gives us, okay, there's, there's hope for the world because we have this tool that has never in any way, shape or form really been around before. Right. Um, nothing that even comes close to it. And so it's just, I want to help create this future. You know, what does my skill set, my experience, how, how does it lend to, to pushing us forward, to getting us closer to that end goal? And somehow, some way, this became the way for me. And so, yeah, so it's just, okay, you're compelled and you have to do it. Yeah. It's one of those things where, you know, like once you reach a certain understanding or perception of this thing, it's like, how can you not, like you, it's genuinely compelling you. But, you know, the flip side of it, or not the flip side, but another, you know, I'd be interested in knowing from an outside perspective, right? So, you know, partner, friends, family who see you be compelled about this invisible thing on the internet and how much time you're devoting to it and how passionate you are about explaining it or committing to it and that kind of stuff. I mean, what was the, uh, the response from the people closest to you? Yeah. Um, I mean, at first it's a challenge because, you know, whether if they don't know about Bitcoin or fully understand it, and obviously I was already, you know, deep enough down the rabbit hole that I had this idea and I'm trying to say, no, no, that this is the thing, like roll with me on this. This, this is the thing. Um, <laughs> explaining it to them in words like you and I talking right now, I, I don't, you said before that, you know, you feel you're a better speaker, a better orator. For me, it's the opposite. I, I, I'm a scatterbrain. I jump from topic to topic to topic and I don't always connect the dots I need to, which is why writing was such a great exercise for me because it allowed me to just blurt out a whole bunch of topics. And then as I would approach it again and again with a new set of eyes, I'm stitching it together until that complexity that I was holding in my head could now be more seamless and, and straightforward. Um, but yeah, as I would say, as it evolved, they could get further and further on board with it because they are also my sounding board, right? My, my sort of closest family friends are some of the people that are reading it, giving me feedback saying, Oh, I like the way you explain this. Oh, I didn't understand. What does this part mean? What, what are you getting at? What's the point you're making? Um, so as they would get more and more into it, they became more and more accepting of it, understanding that, okay, you're, you're, you're hitting some, some hard notes here and they seem to be, you know, meaningful and profound. Um, so yeah, like, you know, let's, let's, I'm, I'm getting more excited, you know, there's, they start to get more excited about, let's see what the end product looks like. When's it done? I, I can't tell you how many times I heard in the last six months of writing the book, because I thought I'd be done way sooner than I was. Um, but in the last call it six months, it's, is it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? Like I got that so often it was, it was getting under my skin. Yeah. So I'm like, you can't rush. I'll you can't rush. Yeah. You can't listen. If I finish it now, it's, I won't be happy with it. And I, I can't have that. I, I need this thing to be great for my own personal satisfaction. I need to go to bed at night knowing that I gave absolutely everything I have to give to this. And that I think people, anybody could read it and take some serious value from it. And so please stop asking me when it's done because you'll know when it's done. <laughs> and uh, as far as those people reading the finished product, 
you know, from zero to orange pill, where do you think they would fall on that spectrum after having read the book? It's different for, for, for some sure, different yeah. people and, and their, you know, previous understandings and leanings and backgrounds and whatnot. Um, but, you know, the results don't lie in terms of, you know, what Bitcoin's doing. You know, the price is sort of one of the few indicators in the real world that we have hash power is not another sure. Um, but price is sort of an easy one for anyone to follow. And so you see that and what it's starting to do lately. And, you know, that becomes a little bit more vindication of, of everything that, uh, that went into it. Yeah. I, I find it uh, so funny that I'll often like with someone who is genuinely listening, you know, cause there's no point in, in having the Bitcoin chat with people that are kind of dismissive or are not interested, but I'll go through the steps, you know, each of the different aspects of this thing. And all along the way, they'll be like, yeah, yeah, that makes, that makes sense. And that's interesting. And then, and then like, I'll finish it off and they'll just be like, yeah, that's cool. And I'll be like, what yeah. do you mean? That's cool. Yeah. Like, how is that your response? It, 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 it honestly bothers me when, when it doesn't click for people, right? So for, again, going back to my background, right? Like I, I was red pill on Austrian economics in 2007, okay? So I was on the gold bandwagon in 2007 because that at the time was sound money. Um, and so- right. me too. Yeah, so when, you know, people, when I try to explain money to people, for me, it's like, well, this is so obvious. Like, how do you not see this? How do you not get this? And it, it can definitely be frustrating when they don't wrap their head around it. Yeah. Um, I, think uh, a, I think a big part of that is there, there's a big cohort of people that they won't believe something until they see it, you know? And, and I guess this is like the kind of the, like the literal definition of a visionary, right? You're able to see something before it happens. Yeah. Um, and th I think that is just maybe, uh, you know, and that's why, number go up is so effective because it's literally the result that they can see that, yes. that, as you said, validates or vindicates the argument. But, you know, a lot of people, the argument on it on its own may never be sufficient because like I said, I mean, I can go through each hoop and get confirmation at every single step <laughs> and then get them to appreciate what the implications of said steps being yeah. would be. Uh, and then just be like, cool, I'll, uh, you know, it's time for dinner or whatever. Let, let, yeah. or whatever. And so I think, um, I think that's just an, an, until real, until reality shows you it's real, uh, you're not going to be able to devote your attention to it, or you're not, you're not going to be pulled in by it. Part of that maybe can be attributed to, you know, there, there's a little bit of a sort of a deep seated complacency in our world today, right? Like everyone oh, yeah. to a degree, right? Relies on, well, things will work themselves out because someone else is looking after it, right? That, that mm -hmm. the personal responsibility of, if you want to save the money that you earned, you know, no one's going to do that for you. And that applies to a lot of other elements of life too, right? Um, so yeah, to, to really, hammering Bitcoin through people's heads is, is more than the sound money argument. It's the cultural philosophical lifestyle, right? It's all that sort of bundled up. Yeah, and that's lot. hard because you're changing deeply ingrained, you know, you're trying to upset patterns of life that people have 
just sort of naturally assumed and grown up with and it's 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 been their standard for so long yeah so to to just derail that and say no no get on get on this standard get on this parallel standard is can be upsetting and also well you know just the effort involved in making the leap to get over there the thought of that can be daunting and so they say okay well i'm actually i'm comfortable enough here so i'm just going to wait here yeah no i totally agree and it's it's a very much in many cases a worldview shift you know it's not just like new money and that's cool and I, i'll save my time better i mean it, it, as you just said i mean it, it innervates so many other areas of your life and your perspective and you know your, your the core of your being effectively so it's difficult for it uh you know if you have resistance to that level of change uh you may be resistant to any uh sort of argument no matter how well put or rational it may be because it's just it's asking for too much change you know and that's why people hop into this uh, at different stages and different times and they, you know, go down the rabbit hole with di a different speed. Um, and, you know, that's the adoption cycle, right? Everyone's yeah, it's, coming it's in. A lot, it's a lot of dots to have to connect, right? You yeah. have to be, like you said, you were sort of saying how you tick the different boxes of the arguments as you're going. It's not only ticking those boxes, it's then drawing the line through all of them so that, this all now becomes one sort of unified vision. Exactly. And that is even more difficult than, like you said, those, those individual arguments. Okay, you make the individual arguments, but then, okay, let's string them all together and understand their implications as a whole. Yeah, that. Yeah, well, pe people's worldviews are so cemented. You know, it's, yeah. it's typically the older you get, the more so, right? And, and so like, if you're older than 40, 45, 50, like, I've encountered a lot of people where the perspective, they don't articulate it this way. They don't say it outright, but like, it's basically, I have my worldview and I really would just like it not to change until I die. Like, I just want everything to stay the same until I die. Cause it's known and it's comfortable. And I've, I've figured out enough to make <laughs> the way this, to make this worldview work. Exactly. Well enough. So yeah. I don't want to fuck with it. I don't want, I want, I don't want the world to change and I don't want my worldview to change. i just want to hang out here. Life has been hard enough and fair play because, you know, for many of them, it has been, I mean, they've had to navigate this, you know, kind of crazy system that we've been operating within for the last several decades. And, uh, you know, I get it that, you know, completely dissolving your existing worldview and, and supplanting another one, especially one that's so foreign, especially one that is so different, especially one that requires so much uh, research and learning and understanding to integrate properly. Like, of course, I get it. You know, of course, you, you don't want to do that. But, you know, sometimes you don't have that choice. And I think we're on the precipice of not having that choice. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it, it is definitely deeply unsettling i think to many people to have to to make that shift in their mindset or their approach to life whatever whatever we want to call it um their perspective <sighs> yeah i you know some people just aren't ready to be unplugged you know to to, to you can never overdo the, the matrix metaphors in this space and you know that's definitely an app well it it kind of reminds me of the uh you know the the bill hicks skit of it's just a ride yeah you know that yeah, you know yeah, where yeah. look at my big house and my fancy car and my family this has to be real yeah right 
That's a great you know, one. It's, it's, it's just a dream, right? Like we're, we're here because someone built this infrastructure that is illusory, that, that is faulty. And you can cling onto it if you want, but just understand that by clinging onto it, you are making a choice and that you are by default not choosing what could very well be a better alternative, right? Mm-hmm. And what obviously a lot of Bitcoiners believe to be a better alternative. Yeah. Has, has the fact that being a Bitcoiner fairly deep down, I presume the rabbit hole and the resulting changes in potential changes in worldview and philosophy that that typically engenders, has that created, you know, any degree of friction in your life with the people in your life? Because uh, I, well, you, you answer the question then I'll chime in with my experience. So first of all, I'll say that's a really good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> second of all, you know, I'll, I, I'll say yes, because I think technically the answer is yes. But again, my, my sort of worldview, you know, Bitcoin cemented it, but I was sort of down that path already long before I really got passionate about Bitcoin. It's just now Bitcoin has, has made all those feelings and thoughts come back with a vengeance, basically, um, because they had sort of been regressing, you know, called three or four years ago, and I wasn't as concerned with them. And now they've, they've very much resurfaced. But in short, yes, on a couple of occasions, they've caused, they've caused some friction. It's, it's a challenge. Yeah. Well, this is exactly what I was telling you before we fired up the live stream, right? Where in 2000, you know, it sounds like very similar to you. I wasn't necessarily on the Austrian economic uh, side of things, but I just, you know, saw all the fuckery in the system and saw how the money was broken and, you know, became a gold bug because what, what the fuck else did you do back then? Uh, right. And once I realized that that wasn't going to change anything at best, you know, sure you can, you can, it can be an inflation hedge, but you know, that ain't going to change much about society. Right. Uh, and you still got to, you know, convert back into that shitty currency if you ever want to use it. And you know, that whole, yeah, it, that, that it, it has limitations. It has yeah. oh, s- severe limitations, severe. And uh, like you, like all those ideals or those philosophies or, you know, all that thinking that you kind of conjure up when you're trying to confront like how to approach this world and how to live in, in accord with your principles and your ethics and your ambitions and what you believe is possible. All of that, like, as you said, took a back seat because you're like, there's, I don't see a lever here. There's not a, I don't see a tool to, to sufficiently actualize those things to actually hold on, like keep them top of mind. And Bitcoin now that it's here and once you see what it's capable of doing and its implications, not only does it like change that thinking and say, well, now I have a tool, but it just amplifies it dramatically. And I think that's why we see so much of this energy and this enthusiasm and this voluntary contribution in the space, because now all of those are like, you know, revivified all of those ideals and principles. You can, you, you actually see a, a scaffold, you know, you see a structure on which to place all those things and that they may actually be, you know, uh, rewarded in some capacity. And so I think, and, and it, in context of the question I was asking you, I think that can, although it's good on an individual level, because I think it conjures up those deepest, uh, those things that are most deeply meaningful to you and allows you to b- begin to express them more, but it also creates a, a wider gap or a further divide between, you know, people that may not have, uh, or may not be undergoing a similar process. 
it it makes you know the facade or the illusion of you know let's just call it mainstream everything um that much more apparent and i sorry maybe you saw i was i was pulling the book over here because you reminded me of one of the quotes in the book um so i, I quote people from across every spectrum in the book entertainment you know history philosophy yeah, I love it. how, how, how did you, know, you select them what was the selective process for all those quotes i wanted to ask you yeah so every quote relates to the argument uh that that you know to each page that it's on but uh i I knew a lot of them just from, you know, digging into this stuff for years and years and years. So I, I had a sort of good bank of, of quotes that I wanted to pull from. And then there was, you know, a, a bunch of them that, okay, I'm sort of trying to find the right one that, that would, that would match the argument I was going for. But the quote, just to come back to what we were talking about um, is from Frederick, Frederick Bastiat, uh, the law where he says, Quote, uh, when law and morality contradict each other, the citizen has the cruel alternative of either losing his moral sense or losing his respect for the law. Yeah. And so, you know, That's talking awesome. about you, when you see things differently, it really puts into context that, you know, authority and being told this is what you should do is not the same as what is actually moral and righteous and what you know you as an individual should do rather than what the collective is telling you 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 should be doing um and that creates some of those tensions again for those people who really have this this high stock in the system and you know or have this really vested interest or vested belief in it um yeah so it's well you know, yeah it's just, i mean it pits you as the rebel even though you know in a different system in a different environment you may be the hero or you may just be a you know plain old person living a a, a meaningful uh, principled life but because yeah. you're doing that within the that's exactly what that quote was uh, you know articulating was that because exactly. you're doing that in such a system being that you know quote unquote good person to oversimplify it actually kind of turns you into the rebel and that's what creates you know because families and partners and friends they you know most of the time want the best for you and if they see you going down a road in which you're at least being perceived as someone who's you know a little bit too uh outside the system a little bit too rebellious speaks up a little bit too much has a little bit too much of a contrarian bent or attitude like they it causes them concern and then you're so you're so certain and 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 firm in your stance that you are are, are approaching this perspective you know the right way and you're trying to align with the things that are meaningful to you and they're you know equally uh certain in their fear for you know you doing that and the kind of discomfort it creates i mean i, I can see why hard, it creates tension and it's hard not to get defensive about it because yeah. it's a deeply held belief right yeah. it's not yeah like it it when it means that much to you it's part of you know what makes you human in your humanity in your life these are the things you're supposed to fight for Exactly. And when you're sort of told, you know, shut up, stay in your corner, it doesn't feel very good and you want to lash out. Um, and so it's, you know, in life dealing with the individuals that you deal with in your, in your community, in your circle, in your social circles, you know, finding that balance is, is something that is tricky and important, but, and, and, you know, depending on the instance, it's going to be worthwhile or it's going to be not, and you have to pick your fights and you have to, to not, but, um, there's no doubt that, you know, 
if you believe something to be right, you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't stand up for it. Yeah. So true. And you know, that, that's, that's one of the liberating things. Bitcoin is, uh, referred to as the incorruptible substance you know Breedlove brought that into the common parlance and i think a lot of us like it and to the degree that it is proven to be true over time you know we shall see to what degree it is proven to be true over time um but and i, I think a lot of people have heard the kind of discipline is freedom uh thing before i think jocko willink popularized that but my sorry, point, say, well, well, okay, sorry, I, I didn't hear the quote, but discipline equals freedom, I think is the quote. But okay. my, you know, you were saying that living within your truth is like, perhaps the most important or deeply meaningful thing you can do. And it's, it's somewhat counterintuitive, because and, and I the reason why I framed it as being uh, the incorruptible substance, substance, because I frame it as being as being incorruptible. Like not only right. are you engaging with this thing, but what if you were to become something that was incorruptible? You know, once you you refined what you were to, to not bend or break to circumstance and to be incorruptible. And I don't mean don't be un, don't be uncom, uh, uncomprom, uncompromising. <laughs> I just mean for the most important things, like for what you believe to be true and right and good being incorruptible with those. And that would, that would seem to be like a restriction, right? That would seem to be limiting your, your scope or, or realm of behavior. But I actually, you know, the more I think about it, the more it seems to be a freedom because now kind of the, it's more clear what your action is going to be in a variety of circumstances because you refuse to compromise on certain foundational things. Yeah. And, um, so for me, I think I, in, in the book, at least and from some of the readings, I, I end up uh, aligning freedom with responsibility, which is probably very much in line with, with discipline and what you were saying earlier. Um, but yeah, it's in terms of, you know, humans and, and us as people wanting to, you know, defend our ground, believing that we're, we're you know, always right or from our perspective, always right, because truth is a matter of perspective, always. I think you need we all need to keep that sort of humility and know that as much as we can believe whatever philosophy we want, you need to operate knowing that not everyone will always be on that same page. And you may, may very well be wrong, mm -hmm. no matter how right you think you are and how well researched you think you are. And that's why having that incorruptible substance that is, you know, beyond human, that is superhuman, um, is so important because it keeps us on track, right? If we are deviating from the path for one reason or another and becoming corrupted in one sense or another, having this thing that insists, absolutely insists that you stay on track is vitally important for our future. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And there, there's a paragraph, I think it's on one of the last pages of the book. Um, and I'm not sure, I know you spoke with Dan Prince uh, on the Once Bitten <laughs> podcast. And I know he read out a paragraph. I just don't know yeah. if it was this one. Was it this one? Uh, start, start, give me the first couple words. I'll tell you right away. Bitcoin as an alternative money is yeah, unprecedented. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want to read it, if you want to read it again. Yeah, fuck it, fuck it. I'll read it again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, let me, let me blow it up here. Um, 
this was, so, this is, yeah, this was, a it's a great one. paragraph. Here we go. Bitcoin as an alternative money is unprecedented for the speed and scope with which it is revaluing the opportunity cost of pre-existing money everywhere. It's insistent presence in the global marketplace redefines money by demonstrating that it can exist independent of any state, that it can be compatible with, the, with time, that earnings can be commensurate to productivity, that credibility comes at a cost, that patience improves judgment, that precision fosters efficiency, that incentives outperform mandates, that utility is consequential, that proof builds trust, that justly empowered communities are resilient, that scarcity is a prerequisite of value, that competition drives growth, that adversaries benefit from collaboration, that good governance entails accountability, that quality breeds morality, that social consensus is scalable, and that responsibility is inseparable from freedom. <laughs> okay. not, not, not bad, right? Not bad for, uh, for a kid from Toronto. <laughs> Yeah, man, that uh, that's a pretty banging paragraph. Did that did that one flow out uh, in a moment of flow, or did you have to meticulously put that one together? I oh yeah, I definitely had to meticulously like stitch that one together. But believe it or not, I, I actually had the idea for that fairly early on, cut because I knew that okay, I was sort of building up all these little arguments, and so okay, how do I how do I sort of encapsulate? what this is in one shot if, if if that's the goal um and yeah and that one you know the opportunity cost of money understanding that we're all free to choose our money right um it's to, to some degree obviously you know as a canadian it's harder for me to choose the euro as my preferred currency um not that i would necessarily want to but bitcoin makes the choice available and if you're whether you know about it or not, well, whether you know about it or not, I mean, become aware of it, first of all, if you don't know that the choice between money read the and book. That, but, yeah, read the book. But um, it's the choice is out there and you better damn well be informed about it because you're, you know, I've, I've seen people lately on, on Twitter talking about, oh, if you're, if you don't own Bitcoin, you're, you're, you're short, you're short Bitcoin. Like everyone is short Bitcoin. Like this is an untenable position. Don't be caught in that position. Like that's basically what it's become. If you don't own Bitcoin, if you're not paying attention to Bitcoin, you are just plain old short it. And that's a bad spot to be in um, because the opportunity, because there's this great potential reward on multiple facets, not just the financial aspect of it. Um, if we can agree that it is uh, a great, you know, basis for commerce for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a great, great paragraph and great way to end the book. And, and, you know, for people listening that haven't read the book, it is an example of, you know, your skill at putting things a particular way throughout the book. I've got notes and screenshots and all kinds of stuff from reading the book because there were just so many good, you know, succinct, powerful one-liners and, you know, testament to you as, as a skilled writer. Um, but speaking of which, I mean, how, how has the book been received? I mean, not just sales and accolades, but, you know, uh, people reaching out to you, what your life has uh, looked like since releasing the book. So the people who have read it, who have reached out to me, have, have all sort of had glowing reviews, which is obviously very satisfying uh, <laughs> as an author to know that they, they really enjoyed it and that 
you know, they, they took something away from it, right? Like I, I gave value, I provided value to them by, by writing this. And so that's, that's very meaningful to me. Um, so yeah, re reviews are positive. Everyone in the Bitcoin community that I've spoken to who has read it um, has had great things to say about it. So that, yeah, that's been great. Um, yeah, and then in terms of, you know, sales are sales. It's like you said, you know, I'm, you're, I'm not gonna make money uh, <laughs> writing a book or I'm not gonna make a lot of money writing the book. Um, how did you I, publish it? I self-published it on Amazon. Like I, right. I, well on Amazon and then some other ebook platforms as well. Um, yeah. but it, it was all me. Like I, you know, the images, the cover, I mean, I didn't draw these things. I had a graphic designer I worked with who was fantastic. Um, but like everything, every inch of that book is, is me. It's, you know, every little detail. And I mean, you, you've, you've have, do you have the physical book or the ebook? The ebook. The ebook. Okay. So, I mean, even the things like the coins at the start of every chapter, right? Like there, there's, there's meaning to that. It was all purposeful and it all relates to something. Like I, I would specifically plant words in some pages that would relate back to a different argument. Even if I'm not referencing the fact that it related back, I'm trying to get, you know, your synapses firing and get you making connections that maybe you weren't going to make on your own. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I, I just, overall, I'm very happy I did it, even if um, financially it won't be my, my best investment. Um, <laughs> at least I have some Bitcoin to offset it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great experience. I'm really happy I did it because I just, you know, people reaching out to me, you know, it, it's strange how some of the feedback comes from some strange places, like people you didn't really know or expect to reach out to or reaching out. Like, you know, that's been, that's been interesting. Um, so yeah, like what, overall, what, what, what wouldn't you expect to like, you don't have to name names, but who wouldn't you expect to reach out to you? Yeah, no, just like, um, sorry. Yeah. Your videos. I don't know if you know, your videos foggy, a little foggy. Yeah, it does okay. that from time to time. Um, someone who is, you know, called a friend of my parents who, you know, someone I don't see or hear their name very often kind of thing where, you know, we gave a, we gave out a bunch of books to my, you know, my family and friends, my parents, family, uh, friends, um, and just, you know, someone who I don't, I wouldn't talk to on a regular basis is like raving about the book. Apparently they can't shut up about the book. Like, and I'm like, really? Like I haven't heard this guy's name in years. And the, all of a sudden I'm, I'm getting this feedback that like, oh, he's, he's just enamored with it. Um, so That's hearing awesome. just, yeah, weird stuff like that, little odd stuff like that is super cool. Um, you get the odd person on Twitter reaching out being like, Hey man, you know, read the book. Thanks for writing the book. It was great. I'm going to recommend it. Things like that. So, you know, that kind of stuff is fantastic. Do you think you'll do more? I like write it, write a, a follow up. Well, well, I mean, you, you read the book. It was, uh, th this was meant to be, you know, this is, this is my, <laughs> you know, Sistine Chapel. This is my Mona Lisa. <laughs> um, if I write another book, it, it'll have to be on a completely different topic because I, I got out everything I think I could have to say about Bitcoin. Um, sure. There are pieces of big, I, I can't obviously address everything in Bitcoin, but, um, and there's pieces to the puzzle that I missed. Um, but on the whole, I got out everything I want to get out. I sent the message that I wanted to send. I, I purposely, A, wanted to create that sort of easy reading experience and B, a very positive read, right? Like to, to read the book, you feel good reading it, especially coming at the end of it. Um, yeah. And to be clear, that paragraph you read is not the actual final paragraph of the book. So for readers, you know, there, there's still another little surprise in there for you. And the one that follows that paragraph is also very impactful. Um, yeah. Have you, you, we were talking before we started that, you know, 
lockdowns occurring in Toronto, code red or, or whatever, and uh, very polarizing issues emerging this year. And everyone has strong opinions about them one way or the other. Um, and in Bitcoin, we, you know, because of our perception that money is such a critical component of society and civilization that, you know, you upgrade the money, you change the money's characteristics and you will have a commensurate effect in the society. And if you, and if the, if the change in the money is indeed an upgrade, then you will get an upgrade in the society, change the money, fix the money, fix the world, right? As it goes. Exactly. And, um, so we tend to say Bitcoin fixes this to pretty much everything. And now that you have a book to kind of back up, give you a little bit of cred, like when you get in these discussions socially or, or wherever, um, do you use that, you know, kind of tact more and, or do you just say, you know, interesting perspective guys, thank you for sharing, read this book and you'll understand where I'm coming from on this. Well, yeah, na naturally I have to pitch the book everywhere I go. Right? I know, I mean, but what I'm saying is like, do you pitch it in like, in every circumstance, like if people are talking about whether it's Trump, politics, inequality, lockdowns, freedom, do you just, are you just like <laughs> this book? We'll show you the way. This, this will address that. Like <laughs> to say that, you know, the book Magic Internet Money is going to address COVID is, is, is a big leap, I think, to make. And, and one, I even I am not that brash to make. Um, well, come on, if we, but, if we but were to, existing on a, a Bitcoin standard, you wouldn't have oh, this type don't, of shit. Don't get me wrong. If we were on a Bitcoin standard, I think the response to COVID would have been very different, would have been, you know, much more responsible. We would have individuals capable of making decisions for themselves um, to evaluate the different risks involved with, uh, with this pandemic. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I, I sort of separate the two because that's, I'm just asking for trouble. If I say, oh yeah, you know, buy Bitcoin because it's going to cure COVID. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that one's going to go over well, no matter who I'm talking to, unless they're already a, you know, orange well, pill Bitcoiner. I, I, I expect you as a skilled uh, author and, potentially skilled orator to maybe frame it differently than that, Jay. Well, so here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you this one. Um, you know, you, to think of money, money is, is the soil in which the tree of society grows, right? And fiat is this dry, barren soil that we're basically, we're, we're, we're like pouring gas on it instead of water, right? We're just poisoning um, the soil of society, right? If the, the tree is the, is our society and our livelihood. Um, Bitcoin is fertile soil and water to help it grow. And you have, you know, sturdy, you know, a big trunk and sturdy branches and leaves that come back season after season after season and are vibrantly, you know, green, whereas the other one is just dying and decaying in deadwood. Um, and yeah, in terms of. Um, well, that's a good, that's a good way to, to, to frame it up for them. Right. So you could, you could go take yeah, that so, angle. And if they buy your analogy, then maybe they'd be more receptive to the idea that, you know, Bitcoin has something to do with lockdowns and virus responses and stuff like that. Oh yeah. And lockdowns just as a general comment, I mean, they, it's so to me somewhat counterintuitive to think that this, that lockdowns can be a cure when they, they are literally starving us of stimulation of the things that make life worth living, right? Like, okay, can't, can't go to a ball game, can't go to a bar, can't see my friends. Like, these are the things that make me want to get up in the bed. I mean, get, a, get out of bed in the morning and be productive. And like, without them, so well, why do any of the things that I do? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, and I think, that, you know, the, the cost of lockdowns gets lost, I think, on a lot of people. Yeah. And we don't need to sugarcoat it. Like, in my opinion, it's utter insanity. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a manifestation of just how perverse our entire, our entire system of social and economic organization has become. That this is the response and that this response is possible um, is... Yeah, I think it's in, it's a, it's indicative of of just how bad things are, and I, I can't wait for, uh, as you say, a, a new forest to grow up around it, and and you know it's, different it's, ways of tackling such things. It's also indicative of the way we've taught ourselves and built our systems over the last you know couple decades or generations, um, where we have sort of gotten away not sort of we have gotten away from the principles of liberty and, and that self-responsibility that we were talking about earlier, we've um, diverted from that. And this is one of several effects of that, you know, the economic uh, impact being another. And yeah, and, and I, I, one of the things I think about now, uh, you know, people like to say, oh yeah, well, when the vaccine comes or when some magic miracle happens that we're able to return to normal, you know, everyone's going to be super awkward when we return to normal because they're going to be so out of practice of how to interact <laughs> socially. You know, like think about that, right? You, you know, we've been locked in for, oh, it's not a year, nine months, whatever it is, eight months. And it apparently is just going to keep going and going and there's no end in sight. You, know, you can pin your hopes on a vaccine, but that, you know, seems like um, wishful thinking for a lot of reasons. Um but yeah, like when or if we ever get back to some semblance of normal, like you're not even going to know how to be normal anymore because you're going to you're training yourself to to be whatever this new quote new normal is, which is, you know, something I I, I don't want a part of. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm totally with you, and we'll, we'll spare anybody who's listening the extended COVID you know response critique. But uh, suffice it to say that you know engaging in Bitcoin and contributing to it and helping people understand what it's all about and helping, you know, the, uh, this parallel system grow, I think is one, if not the best thing we can do to try to ensure that, uh, such circumstances don't befall us again in the future. Exactly. And because as we said earlier, it is that incorruptible substance, we will be, it would be very difficult to stray from, you know, a righteous path if Bitcoin, you know, supersedes fiat in time, which I think a lot of us expect. Um, and it, it will make episodes like the one we're going through now very difficult. Yeah. Speaking of which, I mean, what, uh, what do you, what's your day job and what do you do day to day when you're not uh, going line by line over Bitcoin books? Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is, I guess, a little embarrassing. I'm, I'm basically unemployed now. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I approached this. Too much time writing books. Yeah, no, no, I, I totally um, committed my life to, to that book and Good gave up. Good for you, man. That's fucking I, awesome. I, I gave up other um, employment opportunities or whatever because I just, I, I, once I, again, once I made the decision that I was writing the book, it was like, it would be a waste of time and effort to think of anything else. So I need to get it out. But then my approach was that, okay, well, once the book comes out, again, if I can make it as good as I think I can make it, then because I'm just creating this, in my mind, this beautiful thing that I'm giving to the world, that will lead to whatever comes next. I don't, I, I've never 
ever in my life had an idea of, oh, this is what I want to do with my life. Like I've never had, I've never known that direction with certainty ever. Um, and so I basically, I committed to writing the book and then I thought, okay, you know, now at least the one direction I sort of have is Bitcoin. Um, but what I do with that, I, I'm not sure. And I'm happy the book is out because now it's, it, it's an excuse for me to start having conversations with different and interesting people and to find out, okay, so now I'm, I'm sort of showcasing, Hey, I, I do have a sort of skill set. I, um, I, I do somewhat know what I'm talking about. I, I would say I'm, you know, I, I still have a ways to go to perfect all my arguments and my understandings, especially again, face-to-face person to person having conversations, but at least I've created this, this book as a basis of, okay, if I need to refresh myself on any of the arguments, I can go back to it. Um, because I strung every word together very meticulously. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, where I go from here, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, thank you for asking that because no one's, no one's asked me that. It's uh, a different question for sure. And yeah, I'm, I'm a free agent. So, you know, come, come and get me, make me your, make me your best offer. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, you know, I love all about that. And obviously, you know, I think one of the, the impediments to taking that leap of faith, and I think it, you know, that is an apt way of characterizing it. But uh, one of the impediments of doing that up till now has been that, you know, obviously the industry is still in its infancy. You know, there's some great companies and, but, you know, you don't have employers with tens of thousands of, of employees at them. You know, you have small scrappy uh, companies, from, you know, by and large that are operating in this space and, and they're, they're so great. And the people in them are great. I've talked to, you know, a ton of them, uh, but there aren't that many quote unquote job opportunities in this space. And I think we are probably, you know, this cycle, you know, between now and 2024, I, I, I think we're about to see a lot more uh, interest in this space. And as a result, a lot more of a market for competent, um, you know, forthright people that like you have just, again, we, we, like we talked right at the beginning, this feeling of being compelled. It's like it, it consumes so much of your, your mind space that it's exceedingly and increasingly difficult to devote your attention to anything else, you know, because you're so on fire, you're so energized by this and your mind is so consumed by it that to say like to, you know, put that in the corner and say, hush, you know, quiet down for a little bit while you act like you're devoting your time and energy to something else is, you know, with each passing day harder and harder. And I think, again, one of the unique, amazing things about this um, thing that we're, we're engaging with and dancing around is that it, it bestows sufficient faith for people to take that leap. And again, I go back to people that work on, on, you know, core development and the BTC pay server team. I mean, you know, when, when they all got together, same thing. And, and it's, uh, it's incredible now. And, and, you know, I spoke to a friend of mine that I interviewed uh, for the 21ism uh, uh, initiative recently is you're probably familiar with him, Durgigi. Yeah. And, um, uh, he, his writing, by the way, he, you know, he's, I, I have him sort of quoted one of his articles quoted in the book. He's when he, I, I read Bitcoin gravity and was like that one, that one got me. Like he, he's put out a lot of great works, but Bitcoin gravity for me, 
slays me. Sorry. Yeah. I, 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 no, I only bring him up because in that uh, interview uh, from 21ism, you know, he said that he, he made that leap of faith. You know, he was in that circumstance and he was like, I just, I just can't, you know, I've got, it's got to be this or, or nothing. And uh, I said, you know, one of the questions I asked him was, how did you rationalize it? Because the opportunity cost is great. You know, everyone wants to stack as many sats as they can. And, you know, amongst, as part of the rationalization, of course, the passion was there and the interest and the compulsion and everything else. But he was like, I consider every sat I make to be 100x. You know, that's how I rationalize the opportunity cost in my mind. So even if I'm working a side project or if even I'm working on Bitcoin in some capacity that's not paying me very much, you know, in my mind, those are worth 100 times more because that's where I, I see this going. And, um, you know, part of the rationalization, because I know it's not all financially motivated, but just uh, that, that leap of faith that, that um, this thing inspires, it, again, it's just a remarkable component of it all. It, yeah, like... You know, it, it did, you know, I, I was very lucky for sure in my sort of personal just situation in life that I could afford to give myself, you know, this, this runway of time where, okay, I'm going to try to, to, to do something that I really just felt passionate about and wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and also being sort of keenly aware that I'm doing this also knowing that the thing that I'm working on, yes, it gives me you know, some kind of stature standing, whatever in, in, um, in this space. Um, but that this is still, we're still in the infancy to a degree of Bitcoin. It is very much a growing space and it doesn't really matter how I become a part of it, but just, if I become a part of it, somehow I will grow with it. I, I don't have that, that, again, I don't have that clear vision, clear direction of exactly how I'm going to grow with it. I only know that I can. And if I can continue to sort of put my head to it and think about it and, and, and work on different things, I'll, it'll work out like something I will latch on somewhere somehow, whether I do something on my, whether I start my own, you know, project company, whatever, or whether I latch on with others or whether I contract, like I, I don't even really care. It's not as big a concern <laughs> because I just know that, okay, like I'm, I'm a part of this and this is a good thing to be a part of. Like if I'm going to be a part of something, this is this is the thing if you're planning for 10 20 30 years down the road like this is a pretty damn good thing to want to be a part of well that's exactly it right that's, yeah. that's part of the thing that that allows you to have that faith it's like am i in the right place yes am i like have i done my work yes am i continuing to refine you know what my understanding is and the kind of genuineness and honesty of my expression in this thing yes then something something good's going to happen and, and even though it wasn't financially or probably won't be financially rewarding, at least it, it is easily the most fulfilling thing I've ever done yeah. on, you know, on a professional level. Yeah. I mean, that's across the board. That's always the, the, you know, everybody says that when we, when we come on a conversation, a topic like this, um, yeah. last thing. And it, makes, and, it, and it makes up for, you know, where, where you may be missing in other areas. Yeah, for sure. Uh, last thing for you, Jesse, um, you mentioned uh, Gigi's piece on gravity and, I'm always just interested. I mean, I mean, I won't ask for the entire rabbit hole story, but you know, when did things really start to accelerate, I guess, down that journey? Like what aspect of Bitcoin's gravity or, or what aspect of you rather did Bitcoin's gravity pull on the hardest and yank you down the rabbit hole the quickest? For sure. Um, it was a process that occurred at different points in time for different reasons. Um, 
it started call it in 2011 which is pretty sure when i when i ran into bitcoin for the first time and made the connection of okay 21 million you know hard limit it comes into existence at the time i was like okay through energy i didn't understand the mechanics of it whatsoever um, and I understood that there was a predetermined schedule. So it's like gold where, okay, initially we're picking the low hanging fruit because we sort of discovered it. And then as you try to get more and more of it, it becomes harder and harder to earn. So that clicked for me in 2011, but I didn't participate in any financial way um, until 2017 when I had been, you know, starting to think about blockchain, blockchain revolution, the book came out and I, you know, I'd sort of read that and I was like, okay, you know, that sounds nice you know, pie in the sky, everything's going to be blockchain salt fixes everything. Um, and, and let's be clear here, blockchain does not fix everything. And blockchain alone is not the solution. Um, there, there's more to Bitcoin than blockchain and yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, so, okay. Started to learn about blockchain and then 2017 hit. And just by dumb luck, I happened to be you know, in the markets a little bit, I got someone was like, Hey, you should, you should check this out. This is, I think, I think this is a good opportunity. So, okay. So I, I dabbled in it and then 2017 happened everything blew up and you know, you, you couldn't help but get caught up in it if you were in it at the time. Um, and so basically from there, it was a learning process which was also a money losing process of, Oh, all these coins, we all these, this, a coin for this, a coin for that, a coin to save a coin for computing, a coin for file sharing, a coin for everything. We have a coin for everything now that that's, we're going to, we're going to solve everything with a coin for everything. And then as um, sort of time went on and markets went on, the sound money, Austrian economic roots that had been laid for me, you know, eight years or, well, if we're talking 2017, six years prior in 2011, or sorry, in 2007 was, 2011 was when I first heard about Bitcoin, but the Austrian roots were 2007. So a decade earlier, those started to come back into my mind. And between that and honestly, like the amazing, talented writers and educators in Bitcoin, really helped solidify it, it it was like putting the missing puzzle piece together where oh yeah like this is the thing it has every reason why it is the thing and once i made that connection um again that was when i was like okay i i, I have to i have to be involved with this i have to do this because there's there's nothing else worth working on really and in combination with okay you know i'm not particularly happy at my job Sure, you know, my, my, the very last job I worked at, I, you know, I worked with great people. It was a good company, but like, you know, it's still a job. I'm working for someone else. I'm not personally fulfilled with the work I was doing. Um, and so it was like, okay, I, I sort of just had this culmination of both experiences and then, you know, financially, okay, I, I just have this opportunity. There's this window. I can ignore it or I can go through it and let's see what happens. And, you know, I went for it. Isn't it? just amazing and extremely unique that so it, it sounds about like somewhere middle 2018 you kind of realized that it was all about bitcoin yeah yeah i would say 2018 definitely i got i i, I abandoned that whole <laughs> you know the shitcoin casino the blockchain hype abandoned all that realized it was not it was illusory 
right. was, it was, there's a, there, there's a facade, there's an illusion to all of that stuff. And you need to really have a, uh, it's difficult to understand all the rationales and reasons why, but it's, it's there. And I tried to make that apparent in the book. Um, for those that maybe are still contemplating, oh yeah, blockchain is going to help with this and all these crypto coins are going to do that. Um, I tried to, to really clarify that for people. Um, but yeah, in 2018, it hit home for me. I left my job and for a few months there, I was like, what am I actually going to do? I, I don't really know. And then eventually, okay, started working on the project, which became the book. Yeah. Which let me. Yeah. Know. I mean, once you, once you start to see it, I mean, it becomes so incredibly rich, like intellectually speaking, that there's so much to dig into. Um, and it becomes so obvious too. But my point in saying that was like, how peculiar is it? And amazing and everything else that you kind of quote unquote, get it in 2000, let's say for easy numbers, middle 2018. Mm -hmm. yep. And you are a published author on the subject two, two years later. I mean, that that's, we talk about the gravity, that's the yeah. strength of the gravity of this thing, you know, that, that once you get sucked in, I mean, you get, it's quite possible you get sucked in hard. And then, you know, lo and behold, two years later, you're you're contributing to the corpus of information that's available on the subject exactly it's it you know when i left it's not like i foresaw this that i was going to be writing a book when i left my last job right it's you know i, I had no idea that this was going to happen um but again that that gravity that allure it it compels you and it makes you do things you, you didn't necessarily think you were going to do but they align with your values they align with you know potential long-term goals and they are, they are righteous in, you know, in, in what they're trying to achieve. It, it feels good. It feels like you're contributing to a positive future and like what, you know, what more could you ask for? If you can create value for yourself and for others and create a positive future, like it's this perfect, you know, um, combination of factors that just come together and, and work so seamlessly together. It's like, well, yeah, like if I contribute, then it's only going to make this thing that I'm interested in better and that's going to make me better. And then I'm going to want to contribute more and it just goes in a circle and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, man. And I think that's probably a good place to, to finish off. So uh, I'll give you the last word if you wanted to direct people anywhere or, or show the yeah. book one more time or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Here, if, if we're, if we're on video, I'll show um, the cover here, magic internet money, a book about Bitcoin. It's available on, on Amazon, on Kobo, you name it. Um, you can go to www.magicbitcoinbook.com um, and to find out what is money. Oh, nice. <laughs> didn't, didn't see that on my copy. I like yeah. it. And then uh, if you want, you can follow me on Twitter at jayberj, J-A-Y-B-E-R-J-A-Y. Awesome. Well, look, man, great job on the book. I think it's an awesome contribution to the space and uh, I look forward to the next time we get to chat. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. It was great chatting with you. Okay.